HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. And for the second week in a row, we're back in the studio at Roberta's Pizza. Heritage Radio Network was founded at Roberta's Pizza way back in 2009, and we're still going strong. So we're going to be doing more shows in studio as much as we can in the next coming year. So we're going to go around the room today. I thought it'd be a great, great opportunity to talk to some of my favorite people in the beverage business, and they all happen to be in the Bushwick area of Brooklyn. So this is our Bushwick show with some of our all-stars. So let's go around the room, and they're going to introduce themselves, and we're going to have a great conversation about their beverage programs. First of all, we should probably warm it up the people that are out here looking in, because they're like, what the hell is happening in this room? Nobody's seen any action <laughs> in here. Who are you? For a long- I'm, I'm just a dude. Just a guy. <laughs> that works at Roberta's. Just a guy. I'm, my name is Brandon Hoy. I'm the owner and co-founder of Roberta's. And, and really, I'm only saying this because this one guy's just like staring at me like, what the hell is this guy doing over here? They're like, what's so Brandon, going on in this room? So Brandon, you're saying that like, forever the identity of Roberta's was this little radio network I'll, I'll tell you what nobody like for so long there was so many shows that happened in this room constantly uh, that i think people naturally when they came in they just expected to see people in here talking because there was just it was just what was happening all the time and since covid there's been so few people in here that a lot of these people probably just moved here very recently and they just thought it was a room where people stored hard alcohol hard alcohol <laughs> and a, and a, and a boar's head you know and they were like we don't know it's just a weird room that we can see into and now the guy's like I don't know. There's people in there with headphones on. What are they doing? Yeah, and they're like, why do we And sit? he's just trying to enjoy his double IPA. <laughs> he, really right? yeah. he really is. He really is. He really is. Oh, cool. Well, you're Brandon and this guy. I'm uh, Jesse Ferguson from Interboro Spirits and Ales. Uh, been super stoked to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, 
as Brandon said earlier, this is definitely the fewest people that have ever been in this room, which is it's kind of a nice way to get reintroduced to it. I look forward to future shows where we have the the, the brolic uh, twelve people. I appreciate people. you guys have a fond memory of Beer Sessions Radio. Yeah, it's there's great. not even, there's usually not enough microphones. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, like usually like three people sharing headphones and microphone, just being like, how do how do we get a word in here? So we we got hospitality, beer and spirits, and this guy. So my name is Shinobu Kato from Kato Sake Works, and, and I'm founder and brewery, brew, uh, founder and brewer of the Sake Brewery in Bushwick. And the last time I was here was before the COVID, your 500th show? Three years ago on the 500th episode of Beer Sessions Radio, yeah. Yeah. And we're all neighbors, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I rode my bike here from, from the brewery, and it was like less than 10 minutes. Yeah. That's why I brought so much beer. <laughs> Tell me about the Bushwick thing. So, Brandon, you know, we, we might as well let people know what, what's going on out here. Uh, 2008, I, I heard, I, there was a woman I know, she was cooking at a pizza place called Roberta's in Bushwick, and no one had ever been there. Yeah, and still, nobody's here. So, who knows what's happened over those years. Uh, hey, it was, it was always cool. There was a lot already going on out here, and... And when we got out here, it just there needed to be more kind of like uh, hospitality infrastructure for the people that were already here. It was it was this neighborhood was was built on a lot of hardworking people. There's a lot of blue collar industry in this neighborhood, but there was also a lot of like artists. And what was happening at the time was the the artists of the East Village were were being outpriced and. And Bushwick was uh, our, our, our Williamsburg. This was an easy place to go, still on the L line, still brought you to all the places you wanted to be. But but it was very cheap to live. And th- this was one of the few places where you could get like a 3,000 square foot loft in all of New York and just kind of li- live your greatest dream, whether, whether you are, you know, building an art sculpture of a thousand toilets or, uh, you know, a mini ramp or you're or both or both or, <laughs> or, or you're starting your own small brewery label in the McKibben lofts amongst the bed yeah, bugs. Or you know? that or McKibben lofts is where, uh, what's a rooftop film started. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot, my, our Pilsner, which is called Bushberg is a tribute to this neighborhood in that, I was running a small rap record label in 2008 and had artists and they lived on the, in the buildings across the street when the waste management facility was still there. And they were like, people would ask them where they lived and they they would call it Bushburg. And, you know, and, and it was exactly that. It was three, excuse me, three rappers who had a loft space and it was where they could afford to live while they worked day jobs and tried to pursue their rapping dreams. It's it's funny when we started this, like this was not really Bushwick and we used to call it the E-Whip, right? (laughs) Which was because it was called the East Williamsburg Industrial Park. So when we first got here, we called it the E-Whip because it was like a no man's land between, between Bush and Bush. between East Williamsburg, yeah. which I, I feel like is like, like that Grand Graham area, right? East Williamsburg. And then there was this area until you get to Flushing, you're technically not in Bushwick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, and this was the, this was a, a high industrial park, right? You got, I mean, Boar's Head and it's- Frito-Lay and- And, and the, the Wonton Factory. Everything was just big- industry so when we first got here we just called it the e-whip it was just a weird little pocket that like there was no street lights there was rabid 
pack of dogs that roamed around. <laughs> this was definitely the place you would go to leave your car if you stole it and you wanted to light it on fire. <laughs> like, this place was the shit. Also, you could we would you could have like a fireworks extravaganza out here and nobody would come for days. Like, <laughs> 22 shots in the air, all, the whole nine yards. Brandon, I don't know, 12 years ago, I was here one night for a little party. It wasn't that long ago, but it was a long time ago. And you had a, above one of your buildings on the other end, I think Blanca's there now, you could walk up a ladder and there was a beehive. And I remember going up there with a couple people with drinks and nobody even knew we were up there. That was, that, that was the old Bushwick, right? That was the old Bushwick. I mean, I'm not saying that that kind of stuff still doesn't exist. It just, <laughs> you know, a little bit more exposure here these days, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. We, I mean, it, it was wild. I mean, we, you know, we had a motorcycle track in the backyard for a long time. I mean, it, it, the place was lawless and, and, and it was, it was like, it was crucial to what we were doing because, you know, we were trying to push every angle and we were really trying to push everything that we were doing. So it was nice that there was no eyes on us really, you know, when it came to, there, there was no law. So we could yeah. pretty much do whatever we wanted. And Jesse, so you, you were out here too, but let, 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 let's, let's try to place your spot in a borough. So, well, so we are like technically right in, I, I mean, the reason why we call our Pilsner Bushburg is because I feel like by the time we opened and we just celebrated our sixth anniversary. So we're 2016 founding. Thank you. And uh, that's um, where Matt should have played the clap track. He's slow on the sample. I don't have the soundboard. Right You're good, Brandon. Right I like you. Uh, show, man. The, uh, like by the time we opened, I feel like Bushwick identity had been established so much around sort of the this neighbor this specific neighborhood and heading a little bit further east some people have called it robertasville yeah exactly <laughs> and so we sort of my joke by was is always like well we are east williamsburg because we're not hardcore bushwick enough to claim bushwick you know because by the time we came around the neighborhood had already had become such a had its own such an identity right, right? like it was suddenly um and it was, I think it was an authentic identity. It was pre, a little bit, and you never know with the neighborhoods with real estate agents, right? Like who's driving what, but there was such a community drive in this specific neighborhood that I didn't want to come out and be like, well, we're in Bushwick, even though I think, you know, we're, uh, you know, a two long blocks but east of Bushwick. you're still in the east Ave. Well, we are, yeah, 100%. 100%. Anyway. 100%. We are literally in the East Williamsburg business. Yeah. And, and, will, you know, you, will you do a t-shirt? Or in, t industrial. And, you know, okay. we're, we're like the north edge of, right. you know what I mean? And, 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 we're, and we deal with issues. That, like, they're trying, you know, there's a lot of combat between our neighbors and bike lanes, right? Yeah. Like, because it's oh, like, cool. we, we, we're, we, we're in a neighborhood where there's still a lot of true industry trucks. in trucks. And, and then they, they put in there, like, what's also Grand Street, which is the most direct route to the Williamsburg Bridge, which is the most direct route for anybody who lives east of, on the L train on a bicycle to get into the East Village. And, you know, East Village still being, like, one of the, like, beating hearts uh, of cultural New York City, right? I'll tell you so, this the problem in the center of that combat we took away all their hookers and they're pissed because <laughs> yeah. they're like dude we drive trucks for a living you guys come in here you clean up the streets i can't dump my stolen car here anymore you, put you fancy push, beverages you all put over street the lights everywhere and like you take away all the hookers now what are we supposed to do yeah. that's why they're mad at us 
there's a good there's a good answer to that, but I don't have it, Brandon. <laughs> I'm glad you don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then case you know, you yeah. came in later. So let's look at this whole picture of these great establishments that, that are about beverage and hospitality in the Yeah, so I came to E-Whip. Yeah, I came to Bushwick 2016. So I'm I'm new guy. Well, yeah. It's the same as us. Yeah. Oh yeah. well. I moved to to Brooklyn to start the business, and then I didn't know where to go. I checked a couple of neighborhoods, like you know Chinatown in Brooklyn, other places. And then I had a friend's friend who lived in Bushwick for a long time. She's an artist, and she was like, "Okay, I can show you around the neighborhood called Bushwick." So we met at the Morgan Star, and the first thing I saw was a concrete factory with all the graffiti and then things. And then I was like, "Oh, I like this neighborhood." Yeah, and then that night, actually, we came here. Yeah, we waited for two hours to get the get the table at the moment. They feel great. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. And then eventually, I m- decided to move, and then now I have a, a business like three minutes. Walk I love here. that you were like, I love that neighborhood where I have to go and wait two hours to get food. <laughs> next that's to where a cement, I want to next to a cement, next to a cement factory, factory with graffiti everywhere. He's like, that's where I want to be. <laughs> You guys- How many rats did you see that night, too? <laughs> Thanks it for setting cold. the tone, gentlemen. Let's make a toast. Well, for us, the, the beer, let's just go through the drinks because one thing that's really cool, I didn't even think of it before, I, is the beer I've been drinking regularly when I come here is the Interboro Roberta's Hellas Lager. The Mahala at your boy. So, Jess, yep. tell us about that beer and, you know, not not the you can talk about the business side of it, but also just well, that the beer, beer itself. Yeah, so the beer itself is it's like is, a kit killer Hellas Lager, man. Thank you. I'm on the second. This is actually this is actually a very good because he's gonna tell you what the beer is, and I'm gonna tell you like when we started talking about what we wanted out of a beer, how how he got to it. So I like this reverse. Uh I mean the, the, you know and it's, then we're gonna it's, talk it's, about it's 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 our Interborough iteration on uh, on a Hellas, right? So it's it's slightly less hoppy than our pills. It's got a little more malt aroma and uh, like nice honey kind of aroma from the malt alongside um, a real grassy, herbaceous, minty, noble hop aroma, which is definitely there. I mean, it's probably. I mean, to style, it's probably like a little bit hoppy for an actual Hellas, but this is America where everybody loves hops. So, you know, we, we, we hop up our Hellas. Um, but yeah, the idea was just to make the most, <clears throat> excuse me, just super crushable beer that would go really well with, with pizza dough and cheese and, and but have enough bitterness to cut through the, the, the grease and, and the fatty, you know, whether it's cheese or all the delicious meats that they're roasting up right here. You know? Jesse, do, do, some words I hear now, like, like, dry and crisp to me this beer is dry and crisp is is this dry and crisp yeah 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 it it finishes it finishes i would say right just an inch to the right of bone dry you know what i mean like it's not quite bone dry Um, it's got a little moisture to it (laughs) it's got a little flabby it's got a little flabbiness right like Oh, yeah, right then, Brandon, <laughs> so, it is it is a hundred percent wet. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. How do you go, Brandon? How do you go about making this like your house kind of beer style? Okay, so so you know, and you've been here for a long time. We we, we pride ourselves on on like loving craft beer, and we love we love beer. We're a beer place, but we also see what people buy, and we sell a lot of Budweiser, and we sell a lot of Modelo, and like the style of a Budweiser as a Hellas, right? Which is just a very easy drinking beer made a lot of sense. But, but so we thought like, 
what in, in our mind, what does a Budweiser lack? Well, it just, it doesn't have enough flavor because it's trying to appeal to millions of people. How do we make a beer that's crushable, that people like, that could appeal to hundreds of people? We're, we're only talking about we're dealing with four or 500 people a night. That's, that's who, who our clientele is. So in our mind, we are trying to find that beer that could, that could compete against Budweiser in this place. And it could be easy drinking, very, very like uh, just a beer that across all food platforms, it could it could pair well and nicely. There's no there's not a food that it doesn't pair with. So you could pretty much put this with anything. And for a server to just be like, if somebody's like, I don't know what beer to drink. It's like before you even get into what do you like, what it is, it's just like I got the one for you. Yeah. You know, just yeah. Somebody walks your boy. You know? If somebody walks in and they're like, yo, I want the double IPA, then that's like boom. That's right. it. They know what they want, but this is the beer for the people who are like, I want something cold, refreshing, and carbonated that is going to match anything that I'm eating. Almost any time when somebody comes in and they don't know what they want, what what kind of beer they want, like you're, you're probably gonna lead them towards so, like a Kolsch, or you're gonna lead them towards like a Pilsner or, or a, a, a Hellas Lager. Usually, those kind of beers are like yeah. your safest bet with somebody who doesn't. Most beer drinkers, they know what they it's, like. It's so beer. they come in, they're gonna be like, I like a, I like a sour beer, I like a, yeah. a West Coast IPA, or I like a fruity, a fruity IPA. You know? Yeah, this is beer that tastes like beer. To, to like 99% of the Which is what we were looking for. <laughs> we wanted to make a beer that you could just literally write beer across it. Yeah, That's the quote. And I just, we're in the studio and I wish someone was bringing me another picture of this right now. <laughs> well, and also when I walked in, yeah. When I walked in <laughs> and Brandon can do that. I love that. He puts his hand up. He gets beer in here. I think Brandon, every show we do in studio, you're, you're joining us. I, I, will, I will do every show. I mean, maybe not every Je- show. Jesse, you got the line the, the beer that tastes like beer is is kind of what people want that's what i wanted i want to i want a good beer that tastes like beer when we walked into you you brandon you and shinobo would shinobo we're talking about what beer to drink with sake and something about the rice let, let, well, let, that was a great conversation Let's one of, one of the things listeners. one of the things we were getting at though is that there's this perception that sake is only like meant to be in japanese restaurants which i was like trying to bust that like theory because i think there's like this idea it comes in this little cup and it's like hot or cold and it's like it just and 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 like the fact of the matter is like we've as americans have taken on so many different types of spirits Mm -hmm. through so many different cultures yet like Sake is not one that's just readily available. It hasn't been 100% demystified. Yeah, we call it sushi barrier. Yeah. So it's hard to get out from the sushi restaurant. Right. Right. Yeah. Which which is unfortunate. And, and, and he knows we've had, we've had sake here at Roberta's forever since we've opened. We just, we just, you know, when we had Blanca, we, we just, we, we see some of the like similarities in Italian food as there are in, in Japanese food. And it's all just about craftsmanship. And this is a well-crafted spirit that's usually like somebody's thought about and it's very thoughtful. And, and my question was what, what beer pairs well with a shot of sake? And it's like, if you start looking at sake as a shot, Picture of that. Yeah. Look at that. Brandon asked for beer and it comes into the studio. I love this place. 
Lance, you're just the, the, yep. the, the benefits of having me on the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so you know, be more drunk. Yeah. Three years ago, you're on our 500th episode. You were just opening your little tiny sake place. We're not going to get into the, the little in, little details of sake making, but just tell us how it's been. It's been three years now. You're so, expanding. Yeah, so that was right before the pandemic. You know, we were about to open, and we had, like, a grand opening schedule and, and everything. Uh, Jimmy, you came by when we are still building the counter or something like that. And then we had like three days of like a family and friends and we had to shut it down. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it, we, we all know that. Right. Yeah. But it, it was lucky probably because Bushwick is very like local oriented community. So people are like, okay, we've been seeing you opening and we, and, and we are so sorry that this happened, but we are here. Give me like three bottles of sake. Oh, by the way, we're gonna tip you like twenty-five percent. You know that happened for the past two years, and then thanks to all the local people, we are still surviving and making sake. And then now, we need a bigger space, so we are moving. Still so wait, so let, let's go back. So wait, just tell us, <laughs> pick up, pick up your bottle, and tell us what this sake is. And, and I, so I, you're I, saying I when you opened in the pandemic, you were <laughs> able to just. You stood there and people came up and you sold bottles out of your window. Or what did you do? Yeah, that's what exactly we did. So we didn't use that counter that you came by. And then nobody has, you know, except I was the people. only person that ever got to drink sake <laughs> at his counter. Yeah, yeah. And this is an uh, unpasteurized sake that we blowed. And then, you know, Roberta had this before. So yeah. hopefully we will have more at the Roberta soon. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, this is a great story about like probably all three of our success. This community is really special. And I think I think it just goes to show it, it's like he was ready to go and, and a community kind of formed around him and, and carried him to now where he gets to be in a place where he can expand and grow. And I think I mean, I know we felt this like like a lot of people lost their businesses during all this stuff. And the fact that like Bushwick, the people that are here supported everybody in this neighborhood was, was really something else. Yeah. I mean, it kept a lot of us going. I mean, I would say speaking to that community and, and Mahala at your boy, right. Mahala at your boy, the, the, the Hellas lager we're all drinking was a, was a, is is that the name of the beer? Yeah. 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 I know. Here here it just says (laughs) Interborough, Times Roberta's Mahala Lager, your boy. but it's called Mahala at Mahala your boy. Your boy. Yeah. Is that a is that a record or a rap? Song? No, no, that was know. that was I'm, these guys. I, I I lived in Hawaii, so like we and and we use the term Mahalo pretty often around here. But but for a while, you know, we have a we have a marquee at, at Roberta's. I don't know if anyone's seen it. There's like a marquee up there. It always has like a funny saying. There on is. It. Yeah, it's it's now in the tiki bar. It used tiki to, bar? Oh, it okay, used to okay. be on the side of the garden on the rooftop oh, garden okay, okay, up okay. right here yeah. forever, and it always said crazy stuff. And for a long time, we just had one that said "Mahalo at your boy," <laughs> and it was up there for a long time. It rode like we really like played that one out yeah, at yeah. the end, and like it was just a like a lot of things that Roberta's. It just becomes a thing. Everyone's just like "Mahalo at your yeah. boy." Then everyone starts saying it to each other, you know. And so, and, I, and so, it was perfect for this beer because it was for everybody. Yeah, and so I would say I don't know. It must have been summer of 2020, right? And when things were at their like absolute worst as far as like hospitality for us in New York City, sales and and everybody, and you know our brewery is a 
we're a, we're a brewery and distillery, right? But in terms of beer, like we're, we're sort of engineered to sell draft beer to local customers. That was sort of the whole business model. We're like, all right, we'll, we'll open, we'll make really good when beer. I see, when and, I see Inner on tap in New York City, yeah, that's what I buy. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, and then know, that was what we fresh. Yeah, it was. But it was meant to be like, hey, we'll do this thing. We'll make this really good beer. We'll serve it. It will self distribute it locally, and we'll we primarily we're looking for draft accounts. And what happened when when uh, pandemic hit was that all the draft closed down, right? But then by that summer, it was beautiful out, and restaurants that were accounts of ours that had outdoor spaces were getting super busy because people wanted to get out of the house, and we everybody learned that it wasn't on surface, and it was like you know we can we can be out there. You can get a glass of beer. It's not you know. And, uh, and, and we needed, we couldn't just sell package, right? You know, this, this, once, you know, it's just, yeah, the cans are like, they're, they're everywhere. It's hard. You know what I mean? It's not the best way to present the beer and it's not the, and, and it's not a great way to put the, a beer like a, a Pilsner or a Hellas into people's hands, right? You want beers that can be drank in pint glasses, with thick heads of foam and enjoyed with food and friends around a table. And, uh, Jason, who's the the beverage director, came to us and we and I, and 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 we were just like, look, you guys got to be hurting, right? You can't have anybody inside. You you got only you got the outdoor space. You got a, a a kegerator where you're letting people pour beers. And we were like, what's the beer that you need on those draft lines that you can get, you can sell the most of and give it to everybody? You know what I mean? That everybody will like. And let's figure out a way to like put that in a keg for you guys and make a cool, you know, because we. We've canned this beer like, I mean, maybe twice, and it's like short runs. This ori- beer doesn't belong. The original to name for this beer was beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. I know it's not very creative, but we were yeah. just like so. I mean, and, 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 but for us, but it was it, like it tastes like know, beer, man. Right? Yeah. Building with a you know building with Roberta's on this beer was part of us get and finding a way out of like the sort of like the, the pandemic blues, right? Where it's like, all right, we can. What we need to be doing is finding a product that we can like supply to our customers that they can supply to their customers. And cause it was a lot of the niche stuff sort of disappeared. Right. It was like middle of the pandemic, people just wanted to go out and they didn't work. They weren't going to go to like craft beer bars. The craft beer bars weren't open. It was like, they just wanted to go places where they could actually be around other people. So we wanted to make a beer that everybody could serve and everybody could drink. And anyway, this one's specifically for Roberta's, but our production of our lagers in general has just gone you know, it's probably double what it was pre-pandemic. And, we and for we us, so IPA heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for us, on our end, we we it's like we want something unique. Like we want to showcase what what they can do, right? What 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 the 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 beer maker can do, but also we want something that's like unique to Roberta. So when you do these collaborations, it's great because it's like one, we get something that's very unique to us. That's that's like imparted in our personality, and and they get to help us like find that voice and in in the meantime they also get to make an incredible beer that people love and like we we get to feel like communally we did something together and i think like then you get buy-in from the people that work here who are selling the beer because you have to remember all all the wait staff back waiters bartenders those people are are selling stuff they can get behind something they're going to sell it better if they believe in it and inside and if it's part of like if it's part of us right and it's mahalo at your boy and you're down with it you're going to sell it better so it's like good it works for everyone because yeah this is like the next wave in craft beer is if more people want like the Budweiser or Modelo, you're making a better 
Ellis Lager. I wouldn't say better. I just think we're making we're making something here in the community and as as a part of the community, right? And and I think that you can say better. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. Like the, the better it, is better. It's it, it's not qualitative. It's, it's qualitative in the in the in the societal aspect of it. I would say, and 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 the fact that like you know the guys on my team who make this feel just as strongly about the quality of this beer, hopefully, as the people on your team who are giving it to the customers because they stand, they can stand behind it. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to what Shinobu was saying about being in this neighborhood and, and, and the support that like sort of, you know, the city it got hard in the city. And I think people were like looking for ways to help each other out, whether it was business to business or consumer to business or people or person to person, you know, but also knowing your like customer base, it's localized. We, we like Budweiser is a great beer for one reason it was made for millions of people. This was a beer again that was made for this community. We thought about what did our what did what do the people that come here want, and we tried to give them something like that that we felt could fulfill their their thing that they needed, and and we did it right here. So it's more localized, and it was more about like just specifically what these people wanted here versus Budweiser's look at a beer is was like what is everybody in the whole. The I whole damn do they world. Sell, do they sell beer to like other galaxies? Yeah, maybe exactly. well, <laughs> probably. Pro- it's, it's a prob- <laughs> there's a high probability that they sell beer to other galaxies. All right. Well, let's get weird for a second. <laughs> Saki. I mean, yeah. Talking about just a beer that everyone this likes. Is delicious. Saki's Thank weird, you. man. Saki's weird. Well, Saki is like a beer. You know, people has a kind of you know. But it's also kind of like a wine, right? From the you know, flavor and then also like a alcohol percentage perspective. And then, you know, I think like 20, 30 years ago when sake is introduced to the U.S., people call it uh, rice wine. Rice wine, yeah. right. But it's more rice beer. You know, our production is very similar to your production. And if you come to our globally today, you probably pick up and then you can start working like tomorrow. It's very similar. <laughs> you got a, jo- a second job, Jesse. Sweet. <laughs> Actually, what, what it would take for him to learn how to brew sake, since he's already an accomplished brewer of beer. It's like underlying science and process are exactly the same. So wine is completely different, but beer and the sake are like, you know, very close siblings. And uh, it's just, you know, you, you use barley, we use rice. Basically, that's it. Can What's I ask the- some blasphemous questions here? All right. What would happen if you like dry hopped sake? Like, could you, or, or even just over hopped sake? I had some dry hopped sake and then I had some like beautifully dry hopped sakes. Well, they, you know, there's a, like a historical and a scientific reason that you have to hop your beer. Yeah. Right. Well, the same microbiological. That, right. Yeah. We don't have that reason to need to use use hops because we control the pH initially. I'm going a little too geeky. Yeah. Uh, lactic acid. Uh, that's you, acidi- you acidify, right? Yeah, Before yeah. the fermentation. Which yeah. the lactic acid is coming from the rice itself. Are from, you adding of its... Traditionally, added? it was like a lacto-fermentation first. Uh-huh. So like a sourdough starter yeah. kind of process. And then lower the pH for the mash and then go to the main fermentation. But now I see, you know, Jesse kind of, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, the gears are like, like, I'm like, right. Uh, so I, I, I think, I think we're going to say an inner Barosaki. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. also, well, also just like there are similarities of wine too. So, so like all of, I mean, and in, in making spirits. So, and I think like, we're probably moving closer to a gonzo world than any of us are ready to admit, right? Where people are starting to, I mean, people are making like nachos with like kimchi and like, you know, like the worlds are coming together, whether we like it or not. As a traditionalist, I have a hard time with some of this stuff, but I think at a certain point, you just have to accept it. So at what point do you like- As long as it's good. Yeah, what, I guess, I guess, uh, Shinobu, what would the, what would be what would the like sake beer hybrid what would what would like at its most basic level so you the americans invented that like long time ago sake bomb sake oh, <laughs> you mean pouring sake into beer right right right, yeah. right, right. No, right. no i mean if we if, if we started pre-fermentation no but wait this what this sake bomb you guys were oh, talking right, about right, that right. before well, I was trying to get away from the sake bomb. I was saying at a certain age, like, you don't put your alcohol in your other alcohol. You just keep them separate. I, my question was, what beer what pairs well with sake? But what's the sake bomb? I don't. I only know about I mean, milkshakes I, I, now. So yeah. what's the sake bomb? done that only once or twice. Like a car bomb? Where you actually drop it in? You put the chopsticks on the pint glass uh -huh. and then put the small cup then, of sake and then you just, you know, hit the table uh -huh. and then eventually you drop the shot into the beer i think that's sake bomb i guess okay yeah i mean that's your your culture i don't know anything about sake bomb it's not my did college. you say it was my college i didn't <laughs> yeah, go to i was gonna say that was at college <laughs> i went straight to beer bonging at like that was your high school yeah. bro that maybe was high, high school, school. Yeah. yeah but so that's sake bomb so beer let's just get let, 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 we're taking a short break because we got to give a little advertisement about Robertus to come on. But hey, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, become a member and support us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. We're back in the studio at Roberta's Pizza and I keep touching my microphone because I haven't been in the studio hardly for two freaking years, and it feels so good to be here. We're drinking beer and sake together, and we're talking about beer and sake now with, with, with Brandon of Roberta's, Jesse of Interborough, and Shinobu of Kato's, Kato Saki. Kato Saki. So you guys, when I walked in on you guys, you were already talking about Brandon. I was going to say, I hope you guys enjoyed that, <laughs> that Mahalo at Your Boy commercial that just played. <laughs> <laughs> But beer and like sake, like, guitar, it, like yeah, totally. It's guitar. like somebody was shredding. <laughs> yeah. so there was like one ukulele and just one dude shredding. 
<laughs> that was fun. But but beer and sake, like, do people pair those two together? I always thought I, I, like, I, sake I feel like, and beer where you weren't supposed to drink together. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a place. Hey, we we've had sake here for a long time. I feel like there's a place for sake in almost any bar. Like one for me, I always liked it because the way it makes me feel. I think it's a fun drunk. You know, like I I love whiskey, but it kind of makes me mad. And like <laughs> the older I get, the more mad I get. You know, and it's like I've never been like a a Scotch person or. You know, so it's like I like clear grain, kind of pure alcohols and something about sake. It's like it gets you to that point where you want to have fun, but you're still like having fun and, you know, not mad, not mad. It's like if I have like four shots of whiskey, like, you know, I might try to punch you. (laughs) It's possible. Say that for Zoom when when we do the video. (laughs) (laughs) But so, So like Japanese culture. So. I know, like, Jesse's wearing a Beer Wax Queens t-shirt, and Beer Wax, you know, inspired by Japanese record bars. But izakayas, like, how do the sake, you said that in America, there's the wall of sushi bar, like, people drink sake at sushi bars. But what about, like, izakaya or a Japanese pub? How do beer and sake, like, interact? Do they are they in the same establishment? Yes, yeah. yes. And we we have a habit that we start drinking with beer all the time. You know, let's order beer anyway. You know, so we had a kampai with beer and then move on to sake, I think. Can and then kampai, let's do kampai. Yes. Yeah. Kampai, kampai to Bushwick. Kampai. And Jesse and Brandon. And and, and, to, and beer sessions radio, Jimmy. Salute. <laughs> and Roberta's pizza. But sake is more casual in Japan compared to you know, the status of sake in the U.S. right now. So sake is kind of, you know, you need to know how to drink sake. I have many customers like, okay, I don't know anything about sake. I don't know you have that kind of customers coming to your brewery. But nothing's cordial in America anymore. People wear sweats on the airplane. So, like, (laughs) there's just no, there's, like, nothing, like, like, I see people drinking Moet out of the bottle or, like, you know, or, like, a $100 glass of, of whiskey, but, like, but, I mean, but, with but Coke. I do, but I do think there are beverages that, like, we make Amaro, right? And we're like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this is our Amaro. And people are like, well, what's that? And, they, and and right away, it's like, it, it, there's a mis- Like Like I was saying, I, I don't think that sake, perhaps, from my opinion is completely demystified, right? And I, I, and, and, and I think Amaro is kind of in, the, it is another beverage that falls into that realm. And you're, because people feel a little intimidated by it mm-hmm. because they're like, well, and well, they're like, what is it? And I'm like, well, it's an Italian bitter. And then it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it can either be an aperitif or a digestif and the digestifs are a little stronger and the aperitifs a little bit weaker. And then, and then I'm like, wait, I'm losing these people. Yeah, by sentence two, they're you know like, what I mean? You're like, thanks, professor. Yeah, Dick yeah, face. exactly. And and, but, and and I'm like, what? What really? What the answer should be is it tastes really good. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it, I fully correlate our yeah experience yeah. with our customers too. Yeah, so they want to know more about sake, but what we are telling you is, is just drink more sake. But how many yeah. years? <laughs> but, There's another quote: drink more sake. But how many years? <laughs> but how many years did it take for tequila? Right? Like it, it took a long time too. Like you know, it, it was like 
like the only tequila that was getting like brought to America was pretty much garbage for a long time before sure, Americans yeah. got a, you know, I mean, what's the Steely Dan song about Cuervo gold, right? right like right, it's right. just like, that's what people think about. That's what people, and, and I, and I think that that just goes to show how long it takes for something, a cultural thing to like break that barrier. It doesn't happen right away. Amaro, DJ Steve's that are very popular today, you know? Yeah, like, no, I, definitely, yeah. I, I think, like, the Aperol Spritz probably, like, you know, and and the kind of Fernet revolution that happened a few years back. Like, those things, those things help, like, bring it forward. There was a time where sake was, like, on the rise, and then it just, like, kind of fell again. Yeah. And I think, like, I think the makers of sake keep it mystified mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a sense where like other people are more willing to exploit their product for big fat pockets and maybe like private jets where like maybe there's a moment here where they're just like it, it is special to us and we're going to keep it special forever right 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 well what, that, that's true about everything you know the the say this whether it's sake as a local drink beer a simple lager um, a wine in wine country that might only be nine or ten percent. There's definitely like you know, the international shipping and and you know branded products that that do get top dollar. But for you as a, as a you're the hospitality guy and and Brandon, I'm I'm gonna give you a shout out because Roberta's to me has been other than places I've owned and 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 worked in. I've spent more time here than anywhere else. In oh, New I City. know. We spend a lot of time together. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, you always find that right, the, the, the hospitality touch. So whether it's it's putting sake or amaro on the menu, tell us how you guys do that. Because you have a great, I, I want to end the show talking about beverage programs, because that's really where this all leads to, is, is now that the pandemic's over. These special, whether they're bars or restaurants or cafes that have the right touch, with beverage programs. And that's how things take off because, you know, Aperol, okay, we all know Aperol now. I don't need a wall of Amaro and nor, neither do I need a wall of Mezcal, neither do I need a wall of Saki, but I'd like all those featured and you do them. Well, I, I think the approach for us is craftsmanship. And I think it's, it, it's like, if you're a furniture maker and you look into the world, you can enjoy other furniture makers if they're doing like if, if they're craftsmen if they're doing it in the same way that you're doing it so if you're looking out at the world whether it's jesse like any anybody who's making the thing if you're looking at them and you're watching them and you're saying hey this is a person that's approaching this with a, an amount of craftsmanship that i can respect then you can find a way to like make it part of your what what you do and i think the difference is is not like setting parameters or boundaries on what it is your restaurant should do. I'm an Italian restaurant. I only do Italian drinks. Like, like that's just not the philosophical view of Roberta's or anything we've ever done. We feel like we're a craftsman restaurant looking for other partners who are craftsmen. And if people are good at making something, we're going to look at that thing and see if there's a place for it for us. And if we can find that place, then we'll, 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 we'll present it in the best way we possibly can to see if other people will be attracted to it. Yeah. And I think that that's like not a common way to run a business, but, but for us, it goes back to this communal mentality we were talking about before, which is like, I know this customer very well, and that's how they think. 
And like, that's how we've got so far is that we all kind of think the same. So if they're thinking that way and I'm thinking that way, why can't I be like taking people who are doing great things right here in my neighborhood and present them here and see if it works? Yeah, and so. I think that Bushwick is the perfect community for that, right? It is. It's, yeah. There you go. Bushwick, bringing it back to Bushwick. I, I, I mean, I think that, and I think when you, when you talk about like what the history of the neighborhood is, and then you're like, you know, artists, right? It, local, lo, like the, the local community, um, which is super diverse, right? And then, and then the, and then the artists who came in and sort of like created demand for like more hospitality. I, I think it's funny that like I would never, if anybody asked me like, what's Roberta's? Like I would never say an Italian restaurant. You know what I, I mean? I like, hope I, not. I, I hope not. You know what I mean? Like it would never be the first thing that would come to mind. I'd be like. But but then I'm like it makes me it makes me think like well what what would how would I I, I would just say more street cuisine I, to me I'm like what's well, a pizza place that has farm to table stuff or you know what I mean something like that that's like it, oh <laughs> Jimmy what's the, the microphone <laughs> but uh but yeah I mean there is a world I mean and when and when Shinobu's talking about like a barrier for getting sake out there because it's like sushi places you know and there's definitely like. You know, and and not to be like an asshole, but like when salespeople come back to me and they're like, "Well, I looked at this place," and, you know, and I'm like, "Well, that's an Irish bar. They're not going to carry our stuff." You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and like there is a there there becomes these like sort of like in, in imposed barriers of like, well, are people who are open to stuff mm -hmm. that is locally made and 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 flavor forward that's not classifiable? And then there's like, well, the you sort of shut yourself off as, at a certain to and probably not in a positive way to like, oh, well, we're not going to do, we can't even expect to be in there. You know what Jesse, I mean? I'm going to jump ahead now because you said you wanted to bring your spirits. Oh yeah. I brought whiskey. But because the, 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 you're, <laughs> it's a different category. Like with beer, you get it. I, and I, I'm so happy to have your beer on draft and that's how I like to drink beer. You know, I'm so happy to be tasting sake and, and, you know, at Roberta's, Eight or ten years ago, they were pioneering mezcal, Negronis, and things. But for you, getting into spirits, you know, you always had a spirits license. But but how is that working now? And, and well, so we're we just celebrated our sixth anniversary, and in the middle of sorry, twenty twenty one, we bottled our first four year old whiskey. Um, and you know, talking about being a traditionalist, Brandon, like you know, we sort of approached. Um, whiskey making from a pretty traditional point of view where it was like uh yeah you want to open what's it, this, you want to open the whiskey first or you want to open the amaro you're right. the boss I, I, <laughs> open, I open the amaro for a glassware i'm gonna pour the, the these next drinks into my water glass yeah yeah so <laughs> pour a tiny that. bit of that in there um so you know with the whiskey program it was like um, I wanted to make, we make single malt, we make straight malt whiskey. We don't make, uh, uh, we don't make bourbon. We don't make rye, but I wanted to make something that would be very robust. Um, and sort of would fit into what people think they think whiskey tastes like, you know what I mean? A a as a way to be like the American palate for whiskey is, you know, as far as I can figure out, you know, bourbon more or less. And it's like dominated by char and oak. You know what I mean? And sweetness, I suppose, right? Like if you talk about corn. Um, 
And uh, so I've made some straight malt whiskey that is super easy to produce on a, a normal brew house operation, like a brewery operation that, that has a very robust flavor forward um, uh, profile. The Amaro that you guys are all drinking now is like a, is, is uh, like, because I think Amaro sort of falls into like a, um, a wild west kind of category where you can sort of just get away with almost anything as long as there's a little bit of sweetness and a little and, and a lot of bitterness right as and long that, as you don't take it to italy or france like you should be <laughs> right okay. right right as long as we're as long as we keep it here in america where there's no rules or <laughs> yeah. laws you know yeah. what i mean um and so this one is uh is is new york state apple brandy infused with grapefruit peel blended with uh i taste the grapefruit feeling oh yeah it's a grapefruit kind forward. Of and, and grapefruit and the grapefruit forwardness comes from me being a sierra nevada pale ale yeah fan mm. you know what i mean it like, also has a little bit of nuttiness too which well, i think is pithy like well, there's uh, also a lot of gentian you know mm. what i mean and and instanchona and uh and a bunch of other bittering compounds but yeah it's sort of like a, a wait so stop jesse <laughs> amaro's hip i've seen places just turn their whole wall of liquor to Amaro, and they sit there forever. Um, what is it about your Amaro? And and I, I'm with you guys. I would like to just sit and sip this as as part of my meal, whether it's a digestive or an aperitivo. It doesn't matter. You get to know. The whole thing is with drinks is, you like, like he said, you have to get to know your sake. You have to get to know your drink. And that means we have to drink. But so, you also have to get to know your body. So, like, for me... I, I think about these things in the line of like, how do I want to have the longest night of drinking, right? I start with the aperitivo, like I end with the digestivo, sock, you know, like they all, they all find their way down your path and you can't just like throw them all together. You know, your, 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 your stomach is like the ultimate blender. Right, They're like right, putting right, right. it all together. <laughs> so it's like how you, like, if you know what your body likes best, you can like, you know, I could drink for 14 hours straight. That's why I'm sleeping in tomorrow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you listeners might say, wow, it's much more fun when we have the live in-studio show. And it's true. You know, the whole heart of Beer Sessions Radio and Heritage Radio Network is the studio at Roberta's Pizza. So I just want to raise my glass and toast to these guys. But tomorrow, this is cool, I'm man. out of drinks. It's Amaro and Saki. You got to snap your fingers, you get a little... Nah, I, I got this. Oh, you got so, the Amaro. Yeah. But Jesse, seriously, why did you guys pick Amaro? I, I love oh, to I hear mean, the Amaro, processes. Man. For me, Amaro was... was um, uh, I mean, I just love the flavor. I just, you know, I mean, it was just a way to... It was a way to, to make something that I thought was like, could be super unique and had... I mean, as a beer i love her like the citrus the bitter citrus forward thing like the minute i you know and and when i got introduced to spirits as a maker i was like oh this is like you know i sort of fell back to the flavor profiles that i understood the most and i was like oh i can make like if i can do grapefruit like that was it was just sort of like but a, how do you make a mark i mean are you are you distilling it or no it so blended? it's distillate that we make and and then inf and in, it's, it's primarily infusions you know, it's various infusions, you know, and then, you know, we do a, a, a distillation of New York State apple brandy. That, and, and now we're at the point where we make our own, we, we're buying apple juice, fermenting it, making our own cider, then distilling the cider down to apple brandy then in order to make these infusions for the Amaro. Um, just because 
that way we had the, the most control over the supply chain and it was just a pain well because initially i was like trying to buy cider off people. Are, are you bringing apples into your your distillery yeah and legally we can't like you talk about like the gonzo world that we're all about to end up in it's like new york state i'm i'm 100 it's 100 percent legal for me as a either farm brewer or farm distiller or either or both you know jason soller from strong rope could totally tell you exactly why it's legal for me but he's told me why it's legal for me so i'm 100 <laughs> sure it's legal but i can make cider. like 99 yeah, nine, yeah nine, <laughs> you know but he could have been full of shit you don't know <laughs> no, but jason soller knows everything about new york state alcohol yeah, cheers beverage to jason, yes, so yeah. yeah cheers to him he's having the uh, uh, yeah cheers to strong rope but uh he, um so yeah, so now we like in, we we make our own cider and in order to distill it and um in order to make that product and also we age apple brandy in barrels just like we do our whiskey so that we'll have some like super char and oak forward apple brandy for people in the future. Which you know? is very cool because usually it's a nondescript spirit like with a very little flavor that you're trying to impart like bitter flavors herbaceous bitter flavors so when you're talking about amaro usually the basis well so the cool not- thing about apple brandy right apple brandy has like all these fucking uh, aromatic compounds that that are that, that make fruit taste more like fruit pectus well no it's it's uh amyl acetate and it's like these amyl things acetate. that like um that are actually used by double ipa drinker um <laughs> But it's like actual compounds that are. He's your best produced. customer, and maybe yeah. he's behind the trends. But oh I yeah, still no. go for double IPA. Yeah, so. and they got a single, I think so. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think that was a. Uh, I think that was a uh, the Weiss. I think that. Oh, was, word. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Grim's Weiss. But wait, let's let's bring it back here. to. Okay, so here, Sunobu, <laughs> yes. you're listening to these hospitality brewer spirits guys, and you're making sake. You're making sake. It was this little place I went there. It was, I loved it because. Uh, you were this little place so you made sake like almost like homebrew right yes it's uh like i'm seeing your roberto's like outside the patio space and then our brewery is like as big as this place yeah and uh you know maybe jesse's like but, but you as a, as a maker man because Je- mm-hmm. jesse's you know he's pumping it up it's i want to go get some amaro mm-hmm. and, and, and brandon's like I got to take some Amaro home. Um, but for you, sake, let, let's sell us on sake because I, I love your sake. I'm, I'm drinking it. It feels good. Thank you. Thank but you. How, how hard is it to make the work involved? You know, just just a space limitation right now, space. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to do like, you know, infusion or other kind of interesting stuff, but we do not have enough tanks or enough space right now. And we are just... Catch up, catching up with the production. So although I'm kind of trying to sell more sake to Robertos, if you know Blender, I'm comes, trying to buy. I'm trying to buy more sake. Right, too. right. But that if you, a, that was a conversation <laughs> but, we had. But if he comes well. back with like, okay, you know, we, we need like three cases of sake. I have to say that I'm sorry, I only have one case of sake. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Right now we are like. Yeah. So, so Brandon, okay, going back, I'm only going to Mezcal because I I get to have some fun with this bolazol.com Mezcal and Pozole Festival. Now it's crazy guys i remember it was about 10 years ago eight years ago you guys had the mezcal and agronomy and, and now it seems common but it, it really did for me put mezcal on the map how did you guys come up with that 
And then I, what would you do? I, I think my Wisaki? answer is going to be the same here for every question you ask. Like when you, when you start thinking about things that are made with craftsmanship, you just start looking at things and seeing how they fit. And when people come to you with great, well-made products, you're like, this is interesting. And, the, and once you, you see your, your, your establishment of having no borders, then you just look at things that are great and you say, do they have a place and how can I make this fit into the things that I'm doing? And like, and then it opens up a world for you where you can just be like, anything's possible. I mean, we, you know, we, we sold Cedra here. Nobody did that. We were early on sour beers. Like we had sour beers for so long. Like people would just be like, what is this shit? Like, why are you, this is not beer. <laughs> people like did not understand it natural wine we were so we're, we're sometimes too far in front of things where we're just like i don't know this is great but you're not that other people other people are just like you guys, you guys are fucking are idiots <laughs> this shit's gross and then we have to like wait 10 years until like until everybody's like oh i want that yeah, yeah and then you're just like then we're bored with it and already on to like you know the it's next weird thing, it's weird that you know? this is still my go-to place but i know i can get good food and drink here anytime so thank job, you man. Well, the last Thank thing, you. this whiskey, Jesse, you oh, were yeah, so, so the whiskey wait, I want to give you input. This is my intro chance. Jesse said today, he said, you know what? I'm coming, but I'm bringing spirits. So you're really proud of this, and it's good. So tell us why it's good. This is oh, pretty yeah. Cool. So, I mean, this is our second bottling of our Black Label whiskey, which is uh, aged three years in first-use American oak and then finished one year in an ex-bourbon barrel. And, you know, it's just a, it's a straight malt whiskey. It's 100% malt. It's something that we make on our system just like we would make beer um, in terms of process. But it's got, I feel like, a, a really, you know, sort of, um, on one hand, very, like, recognizable, robust, you know, sort of oak and char kind of flavor. But on the other hand, it's 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 got a similar, you know, sort of a dry character. Um, and that, how do you sell it? Like, is it wholesale? Is it retail? We sell restaurant? it mostly at the brewery, and then we sell it to accounts. I mean, you know, we're trying yeah. to sell it to accounts. We, it, you know, the, the 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 sort of challenge with spirits is that it's a you know it's you know in terms of like mega companies and mega corporations, it's it's highly dominated by you know big companies, and so getting on premise is really getting off premise is sort of determined by getting uh getting off premise is determined by getting on premise and you know we launched this you know you know a year into the pandemic when like the sort of the craft the or the you know the sort of specialty bars were all closed i mean of all the bars that got, i think they got hit the hardest the like you know super super boutique cocktail places got hit really hard because the, yeah. the the aesthetic for those places was like the, the speakeasy, the place with like eight seats. You know what I mean? Also, and, and also, everything got pushed outside, which anytime you're talking about an outside bar, you're talking about spirits like tequila and 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 rum as being your highest self. Like as a as a hospitality person, once you get outside, yeah, nobody's nobody's really looking for an old fashioned to drink on the sidewalk. No, you know what I mean? No, like, no, no, they're not trying to sit out in the sun drinking like old fashions or sidecars, like like. The bourbon drinks start to go away and you start to really see a lot more vodka, tequila, yeah. you know, rum type type of drinks. So as the pandemic hit, those the uh, bourbon bars are usually small, tight, 
packed in. Those are the ones that are really probably the most impacted. So, you know, and then you got to compete against all the big dogs. Like yeah. bourbon's a hard, it's a hard space to really like navigate because people got lots of money. There's a lot of money in it, man. Well, they'll, they'll make you, there's they'll branding make you and there's like, uh, there's a status part of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. But hey, last thing. So Brent, when, also when I walked in, besides you, you, you're always so great and it's this no is wonder good. that this is delicious. Everything you do still feels fresh to me, man. I want you to know that, Brandon, at Roberta's. And I walked in and already you were talking to Shinobu about what beer should I pair with your sake? But you're also talking about, wow, when I really sit at the bar, if I'm gonna have a beer, I wanna drink it. How do you wanna drink your beer with with a whiskey? Oh, I mean, well, personally, if you ever see me at the bar, I usually have like five or six different drinks in front of me. And I'm just like very, very, even you, you see me, Jimmy, I, I, you do it too. We drink the small beer, right? We have the smallest cup so we can have many small cups of beer. And then we pretend like we don't drink a lot, but we have like 20 of those small cups. And then also I usually have like four or five other cocktails or small you know, we, we need to define me. that. We need to call that industry style because. It really, it oh yeah, really, that yeah. was me. That was me and Augie Carton's really. secret all the time. We would like we would have events in New Jersey, and we would come with our own four Small. ounce glasses so that we could be like, I'm drinking out of this, and then you can like, you can over the course of a night drink the same amount of beer, more. Yeah, exactly. More. I promise you. I've I've been. I'm the master of this. You know, but yeah, I'm, yeah. It, it's cold. It's how you can, it's it's how you can survive and fresh you know I mean? like, and. But also, but also, like more importantly for me, it's like a way for me to also be trying things and understanding and like I'm always going through the process. Was this and this good? Well, yeah. So and also good? like when, when we, I'm drinking things together, as, I'm as like, a, did I, I was, feel good? Did I like this? Were these good together? And then tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and be like, that was bad. Or I'll be like, that was good. <laughs> yeah. You know? But also like as, as a beer drinker, uh, you know, now probably, but also 10 years ago for sure, you'd go places and they had 20 taps. You want to try everything. You know what I mean? And and, and I'm and maybe and, not everything. Well, not everything, but it, but still, I, I, I see, I, I hear you. Cause there's you're, times where I'm just like, God, this beer list is fucking good. Yeah. And you're like, I want to roll I mean, I remember, through I remember, this. I remember being in places in California where I had never been and being like, I got to try every single beer on that list. And it felt like a mission and it's still drinking. So you're like, so a small glass is definitely important. So did you like a sake glass? Them? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> Shinova, we're going to close out with Shinova because He's our upstart little guy in, in uh, Bushwick, Kato Saki. Your new place is opening up. Is it open yet? No, it's empty. And what, where's the gonna format? Be? Where's it going to be? Is there, right next is to KCBC. Right Saki, next to KCBC, yeah. Tap awesome. Saki. What, what is it? I walk in there, what? I'm going to stand there and... We'll have a proper tap room. And yeah. is there Japanese food or what? No, I think somebody will take care of the food, not us. <laughs> And First what, of all, you don't need wait. food to drink. No, but no, we have to hear this. Last thing, Shinobu, yeah. for you. Sake is made of rice. Let's just demystify so one it's, thing. It's but I, I want to hear the, the vision. So your vision of this slightly larger yeah. sake room. What is it? I walk in. What happens? It will be exactly what you experienced when you came to our old space, in a kind of real, real size. Yeah. So, so we'll have a, like a bar counter, you know, tap room, you can come in and then drink sake. We might have a, you know, like a pop-up, something like that. 
or you can blend pizza from Lobelitas, of course. Yeah. So the sake is something to drink. Mm -hmm. You can drink it there or take it to go to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's great. Exactly. So this is going to be the sake center of Bushwick. <laughs> we got the sake king of Bushwick. The beer and spirits king of Bushwick oh, here, yeah. Jesse, Cheers. and the hospitality and pizza king pizza of Bushwick. Uh -oh. This has been a great show, guys. We're not done. We're going to hang out for a while. Whiskey now on the menu at Interborough, too, bro. And 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 Brandon, once again, thank you, man, for uh, giving us your perspective because keep it fresh, and I'm happy to be out here. You're so full of shit. <laughs> I know. I love you, though. So, hey, everybody, we got, we got Matt Patterson on the engineer today. Our producing interns, Alex. Cheers. Oh, Dylan Hoyer, our longtime producer, is here in the studio as well. Whoa. This is a party yeah, at Roberta's Pizza. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Tune in to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right. Woo. Thank you. Thank you. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.